0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Music has charms to soothe a savage breast, to soften rocks, to bend a knotted oak. When William Congreve wrote that in 1697, all hazard he never could have imagined the variety of musical instruments the world would produce over the next three centuries, or even all the different instruments that existed around the world in his time. Mankind has been using materials at hand to make music since the caveman days, and now we have triple-neck electric guitars. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. If you've ever found yourself wishing for an episode with more sound effects and intricate editing, you're in for a treat today. From simple flutes to enormous self-playing art installations, the breadth of the heading Musical Instruments is enormous. This is another one of those topics where I had to decide where to draw the line, what makes the list, and what doesn't. Some instruments are machines, some are sculptures, some are one-off inventions just to see if the designer could. All of them are instruments in their own right, even if they don't make the list. There are four main types of musical instruments, or five depending on who you ask. Percussion, woodwind, string, brass, and keyboard. Each appearing as mankind's ability to work different materials evolved. Like the soundtrack for Fiddler on the Roof, let's start with tradition. Every culture on earth began making music with percussion, hitting one thing with another thing to make a sound you like. The earliest evidence we've been able to find of drumming dates back 165,000 years. Evidence of this and all other prehistoric instruments is hard to come by, not only because of the vast chasm of time, but because they were made of materials that would have decomposed millennia ago, like wood, bone, and leather. That doesn't mean that no evidence exists. Fragments of bone flutes have been found in archaeological sites in southwestern France, dated between 20,000 and 35,000 years old. They showed evidence of being used extensively, with the finger holes having been burnished smooth by the player's fingers. A very nearly complete bone flute was found in Germany, and was nearly twice as old as the ones in France. Slightly older still was a flute made from a cave bear femur, on which archaeologists found evidence of chewing by the ancestors of modern hyenas. This flute may have been carved by Neanderthals, expanding scientific opinion about what they were capable of. Full and intact bone flutes have been found in the Yellow River Valley of China, dating back some 8,000 years. They're the oldest playable instruments ever found, and luckily for us, someone recorded one. The recording doesn't sound so great, but just think that someone in our time is playing the self-same flute that a man or a woman played not eight centuries ago, but eight millennia ago. different the world was the first time that flute sang. After pounding on things and blowing through things, early man began to experiment with strings. The earliest records referencing stringed instruments come from Mesopotamia 3,000 years ago, and fragments of a stringed instrument over 2,000 years old have been found on the Isle of Skye. They are lyres, little harps held against the body. Plucked instruments were eventually joined by bowed instruments. The first recorded reference to a bowed lyre was in the 9th century in Persia, and it was called a lira. Though we don't have recordings of that, we do have the Chinese irhu, which evolved from a two-stringed lute, te jing a thousand years ago and is still played today. in the brass section, a pair of ornately engraved trumpets from Pharaoh Tutankhamun's tomb are believed to be the oldest playable trumpets in the world at over 3,000 years old. They were discovered in 1922 by archaeologist Howard Carter and played over BBC radio the following year. Since their discovery, there have been claims that the trumpets have the power to summon war, since Britain entered World War II five months after that broadcast. Sadly, the recording was not preserved. And that leaves the fifth category, keyboards. Oh yeah, you're probably thinking harpsichords and stuff. Those are relatively modern. You'd be surprised how old relatively modern could be. A five-stringed instrument known by the Igbo of present-day Nigeria as ubaaka or uba-akwara survives into the modern era as the thumb piano, known as mbira or kalimba. The oldest specimen found was carved in bronze, which probably accounts for it having survived a thousand years of degradation, though it is known to have existed three times longer than that. This oldest example is a medium-sized circular instrument with eight bronze keys and carved with intricate patterns. As our mentions of bone flutes should indicate, musical instruments can be made from almost anything, even stone. It's called a lithophone, Greek for stone and sound, and it reaches backwards to Vietnam 10,000 years ago and forward to modern-day Michigan. Picture a xylophone with carefully selected and shaped slabs of stone. Naturally, different types of stone make different sounds. Here is one made of granite. And another made from limestone. These were created by musician, artist, and educator Tom Kaufman. You can learn more about his musical sculptures at TinkerTunes.com. If hard things aren't your style, what about carving your next instrument out of a carrot, a head of lettuce, or an aubergine? Never say eggplant if you can say aubergine. Vienna is home to the Vienna Vegetable Orchestra, a group that hits the green grocer on their way to the concert hall. Before each performance, they carve new instruments from fresh produce. Each performance is different, varying with the vegetables available. They turn the veggies into recorders, castanets, whatever you call two things that you rub together. By the end of the performance, the veggies are pretty much shot, and the whole process starts again. Here in Richmond, Virginia, we have the Indigenous Gourd Orchestra, which is just as it sounds but they add a few accoutrements like strings and drumsticks, and they also dress up in cool funny gourd hats. You can wash down those veggies with a cool beer while you listen to the beer bottle organ. This invention is the product of an instrument accessory company and was created exclusively with Guinness bottles to celebrate their 50th anniversary. If you like your beer cold, which is not how to drink Guinness, cold is for pilsners and light lagers, but don't get me started on that, There's an entire festival with instruments made of ice. Just like those who make music with produce, musicians at the Ice Music Festival in Norway work with a team of ice carvers to prep their gear. You can't use just any old ice for this. Last year, ice carvers selected the frozen waters of Lake Finse, as well as a nearby glacier as their material of choice. Armed with chainsaws, chisels, and hammers, They're tasked with the finger-numbing process of fashioning blocks of ice into guitars, woodwinds, keyboards, and drums. Even the stage is carved out of ice. To ensure that there is enough ice to work with, and that it will last long enough, the festival has been moved to Fincy as temperatures have been abnormally warm and getting warmer in Galo, where the festival debuted in 2005.
2: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. I also host the number one sleep podcast in the world called Sleep Cove where millions drift off to meditations, hypnosis and bedtime stories. We soon realized that listeners wanted to hear our mystery stories all in one place so we created Mysteries at Midnight where you can listen to all new tales every week. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. So why don't you pick a story now, and can you guess the twist?
0: If that's not your kind of cool, you could always play a skatar. The skatar is a guitar and bass made from a skateboard played and sometimes written by Keith Irish of the California band Punk as a Doornail, which mixes rock with avant-garde, atonal components by means of the skatar. Being a bass player, when Irish was asked to join a band as a guitarist, he didn't have a guitar, but he owned a skateboard. So necessity being the mother of invention, the skatar was born. If you're really into rock, there's always the great stalagpipe organ, Deep in the Luray Caverns of Virginia sits the largest musical instrument in the world. The great stalagpipe organ appears at first to be a normal organ, but instead of using pipes, the organ is wired to soft rubber mallets poised to gently tap stalactites of varying length and thickness. When the keyboard is played, the entire subterranean landscape becomes a musical instrument. In order to achieve a precise musical tone, stalactites were chosen from a range of over three and a half acres. But due to the enclosed nature of a cave, the full sound can be heard anywhere. The organ was invented and built in 1954 by Leland Sprinkle, a mathematician and electronic scientist and it took him over three years to complete it. If you'd prefer something a little more delicate, perhaps an instrument made of glass, please welcome this week's guest presenter from the podcast Archivist's Bet on Sexy Witches.
1: Hello, my name is Elizabeth Gray, and I am the head hauntress of the podcast Archivist's Bet on Sexy Witches, I'm usually talking genre from a geek girl's perspective, but today I get to talk about my little-known passion for collecting unusual musical instruments. Specifically, Moxie has asked me to talk about the glass harmonica. Now, that is our harmonica with a capital A and not harmonica with an H. This is a common mix-up you see all the time, even on its wiki page. In 1791, founding father Ben Franklin went to a concert that highlighted a glass harmonica player. That is someone who plays the rim of crystal wine glasses tuned with water. This had Franklin intrigued. He wondered if he could create a glass instrument that would not need so much moisture to work. He found you could make sounds with hand blown crystal bowls of different sizes, which then could be inset to manipulate tone and pitch. These bowls would have a donut like hole in the center. He then attached these glass bowls to a wheel, which could be spun and the glass harmonica was born. So how do you play one? Well, a musician sits in front of the harmonica and plays it very much like a piano. Some have a hand crake, but larger ones have a foot pedal that controls the speed of the glass harp. There are usually metal strips in between the glass rims to guide the player's fingers along. And while there is very little water used, harmonica players still have to moisten their hands to create its dulcet tones. Never, and I mean never touch the hands of a glass harmonica player before a performance. They really don't like that. It was given mixed reception by the public at large. Some of the super rich took to them right away. This was said to have included a very young Marie Antoinette. And a few prominent composers did include them in their works, including Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Emil Cezanne and Ludwig von Beethoven. However, there were also rumors that long exposure could lead someone to go crazy. Many people compared the sounds of a glass harmonica to the voices of angels. People thought being exposed to the divine for too long was too much for humans. There are stories that a few players had a dean gone crazy. And yes, there are even some cases of harmonica players dying young. There's also a rumor that players use mercury powder to protect their fingers from the constant rubbing of the glass rims. It is true, glass harmonica players do lose their fingerprints over time. But mercury poison was relatively common in that day and age, so we don't know if the use of mercury or any of these stories were actually true. By the early 1800s, the glass harmonica had already fell out of fashion for various reasons, not the least of which was how fragile the glass instrument could be. But there are a few people around the world that still play a glass harmonica. You can even hear one to this day in the score of the best picture winner, A Shape of Water. So thank you for listening to me today about uh, glass harmonicas. I want to thank ben Moxie for letting me talk about this truly all-American instrument and hope you join me for my season five premiere of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. It'll be live Tuesday, January 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio. Happy New Year and good film hunting. This is the Head Hauntress.
0: Musical instrument making can get wild, as in wild animal. The charango is a small, ten-string lute that originated in South America. The back of the instrument body is traditionally fashioned from an armadillo shell. When the Spanish came to South America, they brought with them the vihuela, an ancestor of the guitar. The native people liked the vihuela, but lacked the technology to shape the wood to make their own. However, there was a convenient resource nearby, armadillos. Thus, the chirango was born. It was a happy day for music, but probably a sad day for the armadillos. Though they do joke in the region that an armadillo has to go to a conservatory for at least five years to study music before it can become a chirango. Today, many of the best charangos have wooden backs instead of armadillos. Domestic animals have their place in music, too. In the Balkans, there exists a bagpipe called gaida bags, which are usually made of an entire sheep or goat hide. Different regions have different ways of treating the hide. The simplest methods involve just the use of salt, while more complex treatments involve milk, Flower and the removal of the fur. The hide is normally turned inside out, so that the fur, if it's left on, is on the inside of the bag, as this helps with moisture buildup inside. Curious what one looks like? Search YouTube for goat bagpipe. But be ready, this popular search result hasn't lost its head. Debatably, the wildest example in this category is also one of the strangest instruments out there. You've probably heard them your entire life without knowing what they were called, or even what was making that sound. It's a theremin. A theremin is a little wooden box with dials along one side, a loop of metal sticking out one end, and two bits of metal rising from the other end. The tone is generated by two high-frequency oscillators. The pitch is controlled by the movement of the performer's hand toward and away from the circuit, but never actually touching it. So that's odd enough on its own, let alone when you stuff it inside a dead European badger. Taxidermied into a casual strolling pose by artist David Cramner. Why? Why not? And a quick tangent here, there is a call on to cull to reduce the population of badgers in England. One of my favorite actors, Brian Blessed, teamed up with one of the world's greatest guitar players, Brian May, to make a video speaking out against the cull. It is a parody of Flash Gordon and the old badger, 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 mushroom meme. Please look it up. Stop everything. I mean, if you're driving, pull over. It's one of the greatest things ever to appear on the Internet. Just as there are many materials from which to make instruments, there are many ways to make the sound. Contact and moving air are so passe once you figure out how to make music with fire. The pyrophone, also known as the fire organ or explosion calliope, actually dates back to 1870. It's made of glass tubes of different lengths, like organ pipes, which are fed with a hydrogen or propane flame at the bottom. The airflow is regulated to divide the flames up, each vibrating in its tube to create a different sound. If fire isn't entertaining enough for you, how about lightning? The zeusophone is a singing Tesla coil. For those who don't recognize the term right off, you know that thing in the science museum where you touch the big metal sphere on the top and it makes your hair stand up? Like that, but much bigger and more powerful. It's a variation of the solid-state Tesla coil that's been modified to produce we'll call them generously musical tones, by modulating the spark output. The musical tone results directly from the passage of the spark through the air. Because solid-state coils, drivers are limited to on or off, the sounds produced consist of a square waveform rather than a what's called sinusoidal wave, though it can produce some simple chords. That was a lot to take in, I know, but brace yourself, because there's more and it's even better. Remember last week I said, don't sign up to the Patreon right now? That still holds true, because next week i I launch a limited-time, exclusive, special offer. Those who become members of the Your Brain on Facts Patreon during that two-week period, between January 29th and February 12th, which will be our one-year anniversary, will receive benefits only available for those who sign up during that period. Also, I'm going to be increasing the benefits across the board whenever you sign up. There will now be two mini-bonus episodes a month, one available for even the lowest tier. What are the other benefits? You're just going to have to wait and find out. Keep an eye on our social media, Facebook or Instagram slash yourbrainonfacts, and Twitter slash brainonfactspod for more details as we get closer to the launch. Continuing the theme of natural elements, But perhaps something a little more gentle than lightning, we look to the wind in the Aeolian harp. Named for Aeolus, the Greek god of the wind, the traditional Aeolian harp is essentially a wooden box with a sounding board that has strings stretched lengthwise across two bridges. It's often placed at a slightly open window where the wind can blow across the strings to produce sound. The strings can be made of different materials or different thicknesses that are all tuned to the same pitch, or identical strings tuned to different pitches. Aeolian harps became popular as a household item during the Romantic era, when they were just mad for anything even vaguely Greco-Roman. And Aeolian harps are still handcrafted to this day. Some of them now take the form of monumental metal sculptures such as one in New Mexico that stands 24 feet or 7.3 meters high and plays its beautiful melody over a now-abandoned shopping center, which is a post-apocalyptic movie set waiting to happen if I ever heard of one. For an even lighter touch, how about light itself? Professor Scott Hall of Cogswell Polytechnic College has used modern technology to create a theremin-type instrument that's really one of a kind. The opti Video Tone projects video onto the ceiling from stock footage, movies, etc., and simultaneously responds to the images with different sounds like tones and buzzes. Professor Hall can control the images to control the output of the sounds, thereby making music. Say you're in the mood for something more subtle. The very road beneath your feet can make music. Or the road beneath your car, anyway. There are a number of musical roads throughout the world, from California to Japan to Denmark, where the first one was created in 1995. Grooves are strategically carved into the road surface that change the sound of your tires as you drive over it at the correct speed. Like a rumble strip on the highway if you tuned it. Unfortunately for the folks who drive over the musical road in Lancaster, California, a math error led to more space than necessary between the grooves, so their road sounds like this. Now size really matters when it comes to musical instruments. For example, here is a standard flute which measures twenty five inches or sixty five centimeters. The contra bass flute is an unbelievable nine point three feet or two and a half meters long, as wide as your two hands making a circle, and sounds like this. They're so big they can't be held when playing and actually stand on the floor the way a cello does. There's even a double contrabass flute that's twice as long. Check out a contrabass saxophone, the contrabass clarinet. a contrabass trumpet, and the biggest bull fiddle you ever saw, the bass. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. I'll leave you with one of my favorite instruments for a very specific reason. Lovers of the Dark Crystal should remember the branch recorder type instrument that Jen the Gelfling played. I'd include a clip, but I'm pretty sure Disney owns the movie now and I would get my cute little butt suit off. That sound comes from a real instrument, not a synthesizer. It's called a double flageolet. It's like a swollen bassoon mouthpiece with two wooden flutes sticking out the end of it. Can't you just see the Valley of the Mystics when you hear that? Thanks for spending part of your day with me. Look for the new tiers and all the new information on January 29th at patreon.com slash yourbrainonfact.
2: Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie with your friend, the neighbourhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, listen wherever you get your podcasts.